Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Dale Lippin in here with none other than my partner in crime. Let's just talk about this real quick. Mm-hmm. Are you Mr. Freeze? Are you that cold? What's going on, Trey Van Buskirk? What, what do you mean? I don't know if I, I'm being, well, I'm going to put you on front street here. You're on a cold streak right now. Just a few weeks ago, you were talking a lot of, you were talking a lot of smack. And then, oh, how the turntables, uh, my man, you are icy, frozen, if you will. Yeah, I definitely uh, coming into the episode tonight. I I felt like okay, you know, let's let's turn those tables, right? But right, guess what just happened? No joke. Five minutes ago, I stepped on a cricket. Ooh, ooh. Do you think yeah. that's a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> no, dude, I killed Jiminy, man. That's the worst. That's the worst. That's like breaking a mirror inside. Bad luck. Like, don't touch me. Well, crickets are weird, right? Because isn't there a thing where a cricket in your house means somebody's going to die soon? But then there's also a thing that says a cricket in your house could be good luck. Well, it was in my house and I killed it. So I think I don't really know. Man. So you're probably on the bad luck side of it then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so man. fade these upcoming picks. That's a bad, that's a bad lead for the show. That's a bad lead for the show. I conversely want you to take every pick that I play because I'm throwing together the perfect card this weekend. Mm, I love it. Bang, bang. Tell me about I, it. I am. Well, I'm, we're going to here. I'm going to break it down fight by fight. But uh, I did my film study. I did my uh, I did my peer review. Uh, I consulted the team, uh, our, our, our uh, plethora of village elders. And I've got a collective here this week that I think is going to really pay dividends for us, man. You want to hear my film study? Yeah, man, do it. Oh, Boy, dude. that's crispy, man. Why don't you go ahead and pour that out for us? Pour it out. You know what it is? It's Get it closer to the mic. Spirit. I want some of that ASMR. There you go. There oh, you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boom. A little tequila margarita right there with a splash of lime from our uh, unofficially not sponsored cut water. Still uh, not sponsored. No, not even close. Still not sponsored. Here's the other thing, right? Here's, what, here's what's great about this is that um, not only are we not sponsored by them, we continue to give them shout out. So I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, let's let's just keep doing that. We're just gonna keep keep wrapping. Is there anybody else you want to yeah. just what, what kind of shoes do you wear? Um, if I could get the if we get the power company to sponsor us, so I don't have to pay an electric bill, that'd be cool too. Whatever you want to do, man. 
Hey, I'm all about it. If you guys, if you have a small business out there, light up our DMs. We'll call it out. I don't give a shit. I need to pay it oh. for it. Killed a grasshopper, like or a cricket, whatever. Cricket, same yeah. difference. Yeah, I need to get some luck. Ooh, we should do like a we should do like a featured fan business. I love it. That's nice. Like if you listen to the show and you have a small business, we'll do a free ad read for you each episode. Just send us yeah. a DM. Yeah, but we get to improvise. We're not going to read anything, right? Oh, no, it'll, it'll be completely made up. And you are subject to whatever it is that comes off of this noodle or your noodle, which we know can be a little touch and go at times. Well, funny thing about my noodle is that's my dick. Really? <laughs> Wait, Most what? people refer to this as the noodle, buddy. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, to each their own. Oh, man. I'm worried about you here. All right, let's reel this in. Before we get too far into the show... <clears throat> Oh, producer Jake says, shout out Yingling, which is now available in Texas. Uh, so am I to believe, producer Jake, that up until recently, Yingling was not available in Texas? He says no. Producer Jake says no, you could not get a Yingling in Texas, which is criminal because Yingling is one of my favorite beers. Mm, there's so many better Japanese beers than Yingling, like Sapporo or um, God, there's another one. I can't remember the name, but Yingling is, uh, you know, it's up there. It's okay. You know, you know, Yingling's not a Japanese beer, right? Mm. Ugh, God, we're we're getting in some murky waters here. Ugh. Is it not? Yingling is the oldest brewery in, in the United States. Um, it is in Pennsylvania, and it is not <laughs> Japanese. You're telling me someone named Yingling, a brewery in the United States? D- not only that. It's the oldest brewery in the United States, oh and it's Yingling, and it's not spelled Y-I-N-G-L-I-N-G, Trey. It's not Yingling. Oh Dude, I couldn't. I can't with you, man. Fighters, fighters from the state of Georgia drinking Japanese beer named Yingling. That's the worst. God, we're, what? We're five minutes in. We're five minutes in, and you're already on your nonsense. <laughs> Japanese beer, Sapporo. You were, I let you go with it too. I thought maybe you were joking, but when you started naming off Japanese beers, you were in. I knew no. you were in. No. Unbelievable. All right. My, my B. Okay. So let's talk about. So do you know Montana, right? Montana is a state. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I just want to make sure. So when I shout out State Classy Meats and that's where they're based out of, you know mm. that that's a U.S. company, right? Mm. Yeah. Red, white, and blue. Red, white, and blue. Okay. So, just like Yingling. That's weird to say. Yeah. Yeah. Go when ahead. You, okay. All right. So <laughs> guys, if you want farm to table fresh meat, uh literally, you know, harvested on site and then delivered fresh to your door, look no further than Stay Classy Meats. Go to Stay Classy Meats, use promo code FISH, you can save 10% on the entire thing. Um, and that's all items, whether it's a sub- subscription box or an individual item. Um, they do have they added the big marrow bones for the dogs, so I'm going to grab some of those in my next box. But anyway, our our code saves 10% on the entire thing. Speaking of dogs, um, dude, one of our dogs, D-A-W-G, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Taylor Tombstone Johnson has got a fight on the horizon. Really? Did he say something? He said something. He showed his glorious beard and his like hardcore jawline. He straight up, he did something on Instagram where he's like, he's like, I'm coming back. So I imagine that means okay. he's coming back to the octagon. <laughs> well, is is Bellator an octagon? What is Bellator? Is their fighting area shaped like an octagon? 
Yeah, of course. I believe it's a circle. It's a circle. I think it might be. I don't believe it's an octagon. I think the UFC has the octagon trademarked. Wow. Okay. Well, he's coming back to the circle of death. Producer Jake, figure that out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think. Okay. I, I don't. Anyway, so you think he's coming back? I think he's coming back. And so that means an opportunity for us to perhaps get a new Tombstone shirt. Could be, yeah. Or you okay. could just rock Allegiance Clothing just in general to support our boy. And okay. if you want to do that, just go to allegianceclothing.com, type in the code punch, you're going to get 15% off site-wide. Dale, I know you're wearing the American shirt. I see it on your lapel right there. I'm wearing yeah. one too. Wave the flag, baby. I do. I do wave the flag. I do. I do wave the flag. All right. You ready to get into this card? Mm-hmm. We have a decent fight night card ahead of us here. Pretty excited for it. I think we're going to see a lot of violence, which makes me happy. Um, that being said, I also believe this is a... F- I'd use the word easy with great hesitation. Um, I have a lot of high confidence plays on this card. <laughs> really? Yes. This is, a, this is a tough card. I love this card, by the way. This is a sneaky. This is one of those cards where it could have been a pay-per-view that the main event fell out. Bellator is circular. Thank you, producer Jake. Okay. Well. And somebody says, I don't do show prep. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't need to when I remember everything in my noodle. The noodle. That's the right. Noodle. You got to noodle yeah. it around. All right, man. First fight on the prelims. Alexander Hernandez, 12 and 4, taking on Mike Breeden at 8 and 3. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hernandez here, probably prohibitively favored at a minus 550 to Mike Breeden's plus 400. Over and on rounds here, Trey. One. And a half. Ooh. Alex Hernandez is a known fast starter. Can he get the newcomer out of there quick, fast, and in a hurry come Saturday night? This is that anomaly that we always talk about a guy with 0% body fat, but zero cardio. You know what mm. I mean? Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that one and a half is, is placed there because he comes out of the gate fast and then the tank goes. Talks a lot of shit. Um, we talk about gatekeepers all the time. I don't think he's a gatekeeper because he's not ranked that high, nor is he getting you into that elite competition. But he's kind of like the Uber driver to get you to the gate. You got to get in the car. You got to get to the gate somehow. And Alex Hernandez is that person. He's a guy that can come in and take out you know, prospects if you want to call him prospects. But when it comes to elite competition, he's not there. Mike, this guy came from Dana White Contender Series, didn't get a contract. He's a last-minute, short-notice fight against here, Alex Hernandez, hence the minus 550, plus you know strength of schedule. So I'm kind of leaning the over one-and-a-half here because um, I'm not seeing Hernandez to do anything with you know the striking. I think he'll wrestle death this a little bit. I'm going to go over one-and-a-half. The minus 550, you're not getting anything. Interesting. So you've got Breeden, who comes out of glory MMA, obviously, so he'll have Kraus or some, you know, Kraus uh, disciple in his corner. Um, so you got good, co- you have good coaching going up against Hernandez, who I believe uh, has made the move full time to Factory X. Uh, so, so he's in Colorado doing his thing now. Mm. I don't, I, you know, what's weird is that I understand the logic of saying um, that Hernandez is probably gatekeeper ish, right? But if you if you look at what they did to him, like when he came in and had the, and had the super fast win over Benil, uh, then had the grinder victory over Olivier Albon Mercier, humbled against Donald Cerrone, but then he beat Francisco Trinaldo, which was a great win for him. 
against yeah. a very seasoned opponent, right? And looked very good. Losses to our boy Dober, beat Groot, uh, Groot's Mocker, and then lost to Tiago Moises. I don't necessarily know that he's a gatekeeper yet because he hasn't entrenched himself in so the the topography of the lightweight division. There's he doesn't really have a home yet. It, it, I would have to put him somewhere if we could extend the rankings to say the 30s and 40s. I'd put him in the mid 20s somewhere. He's somewhere out there. Right. I'm not quite sure where he is. But if I'm being honest with with the landscape that I see when it comes to lightweights, he's not close enough to the 15 yet or in the 15 to be a gatekeeper. But he's right. he's he's circling. He's circling. He's right there. Uh, I still believe that it's too much too soon for Mike Breeden, but this is no different than when they brought in Alexander Hernandez short notice and put him against Benil Dariush. We have a very interesting dichotomy in the way that these these fights are lining up. This is a Benil Alexander Hernandez situation. This is Mike Breeden's Alexander Hernandez moment here. If he can go out there and finish Alexander Hernandez, it's essentially like what Hernandez did when he finished Dariush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it it's interesting, you know, coming out of glory, he's going to be prepared. Um, right. But he took that L on the contender series, and I didn't really see anything in him there that made me believe that at plus 400, he's the dog that's going to fight for me. Like, I think right. he's well coached. I think he's probably a good teammate. I think he's probably a UFC level talent, maybe. But I just didn't see enough dog in him to make me believe that he's going to go out there and handle Alexander Hernandez and the type of looks that Hernandez is going to get him. Now that Hernandez has made the move to factory X, now that Hernandez has sort of got his wings clipped a little bit, got his hands dirty, you know, and he's coming off a loss and we haven't seen him lose two in a row in the octagon yet. He's been win one, lose one, and he's due for a win. I'll take Hernandez. Um, but he'll be strictly as a parlay piece. It's not going to be, I'm not playing the over one and a half. I'm not playing under one and a half. I'm looking at Hernandez as a parlay, parlay piece. Hey, the apex cage fits his style. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Certainly does. All right. A fight that you and I have gone back and forth on before, and we're going to probably go back and forth on it again. Macy Chasson at eight and one taking on Aspen lad at nine and one. What's it going to take you? What's what it going to take you to get over to Aspen lad team? I'm not uh, uh, having her fight somebody that's not Macy Chasson. I, I'm, I think I've almost exclusively taken Aspen Lad. Um, Macy's at a plus 215, Aspen at a minus 255. It's too rich for my blood for how competitive this fight's going to be. I need a dog that'll fight for my money. I think Macy is it. She's long. She's rangy. She's making the necessary adjustments as far as her cardio goes. And if she can get in a dominant position, if, <laughs> if she can get in a dominant position, she has shown a penchant for having a finishing capability. And I'm going to take her, man. She'll try to finish a fight. Macy's dominant position is standing and utilizing her six-inch reach advantage. It's no, it's nowhere on the ground. She's not going to be holding half-guard ground and pound. No, no, no. That's Aspen Lad's freaking filet mignon. That's what she does. She's going to clinch heavy, utilize that thick chick body style that she has, inside trip, and lay on top of Macy Chazon, who's not going to be able mm-hmm. to escape. Her best bet is to circle the tiny cage that we're we're going to be accustomed to on Saturday mm-hmm. and pick her apart with that length and reach. Aspen Ladd, the cage suits her perfectly. She's had an ebb and flow career. I agree with that. But this is a confliction in styles. 
Aspen Lab knows not to strike with Macy. She's going to get in close, clinch, bring this to the ground. I love this. I feel like this line was a little bit more in favor of Aspen Lab the first time they booked this. So I'm a little bit bummed I'm getting her at minus 255. But what I do love is that she is in Macy's head. You think so? Oh, dude. If you think that Macy Shazon actually had, it's not Shazon, right? It's not. It's, it's not. Chasen. Chasen. I hate that. That's yeah, disgusting. I know. I know. It's. I, I feel like we church the names up too much. I know. I'm giving it way too much respect. Um, no, I don't think she hurt her foot before that fight with Aspen Lad. I really don't. Hmm. I think she got scared. She bailed. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. I don't care. I'm going to say it. That's it. I said the S, the S word is a strong claim. Claiming that someone is scared is a strong claim. Yeah. Yeah. I should. I was going to say other things, but I can't say that in association to a female because then it sounds even worse. Um, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Look, thank you for refraining from using that. Yes. Uh, I disagree. <coughs> Respectfully, I, I disagree. You talk about Macy needing to use her range. She used that against Marion Renault. Of course. Yeah. It's great. Shawna Young. Okay. But the Lena Landsberg fight was primarily a stand-up affair, even though it didn't go her way. But Sarah Morris, ground and pound. Gina Mazzani, knockdown to ground and pound. And Panny Kianzad, who we just fought, her who we just saw. Rear naked choke. Well, she yeah. has the ability on the ground to finish. Hey, fights are fights, man. History's history. Whether you want to believe it or not, the chick has a penchant for finishing fights and can do so. She's got she averages two takedown attempts per fight. That's only slightly less than Aspen Ladd. I don't have anything to say to it because Panikianzad was beating the brakes off of her in that fight. Did she get so, choked out? She did. Did Panny get choked out? She did. Last weekend, if Brian Ortega had choked out Alexander Volkanovsky, would we have been talking about Alexander Volkanovsky beating up Brian Ortega before he got choked out? No. No, exactly. So what you're saying is a moot point. Doesn't matter. Don't you bring Ortega into this conversation? Boy, Don't I know you, you were so ha- you were so happy. His, his stupid fucking mask that he wears. What does he think he's Deontay Wilder? Give me a you were so happy. He was to a see joke from the moment he walked out. You were so happy to see him lose, weren't you? It, it was so great, and I heard he has a fractured orbital. I wish he had more. What well, I think you only, I think you only get you only have two orbitals, so. <laughs> well, so fifty percent of what he has is gone. So that's good. It's a good I'm percentage. Not a, I'm not a learning doctor. I'm not a learning doctor. I'm not a medical <laughs> professional. All right, Misha Serkinov at 15 and 6, taking on Christoph Yako. Christoph Yako at 22 and 5. Misha Serkinov, 15 and 6, middleweight matchup here, Trey. Do not get it twisted. Misha is somehow in that big, thick body of his, going to make it down to 185 pounds or die trying, damn it. And he's going to try to get a win against the season, Christoph Yako. Yako to minus 148. Serkinov plus 128. Over under rounds is at one and a half. Who do you have for this fight? Dude, I think this is the fight on the entire card where I can't really make a decision until I see Wayans. I need to see mm-hmm. what Misha looks like. Is he going to look super drawn out? Sometimes for someone like Misha, who's a good grappler, has good submissions, that's a great thing. Maybe dropping the weight, your cardio tank can go up. But if it cannot, then you know what it does. It draws you out. and You've got a glass chin, which I'm a mm-hmm. little bit worried of. Jotko, I don't think he has knockout power. To me, he's a very meat and potatoes type fighter. He's very cruise control. He's a lot of like stalling in his fights, kind of like, you know, up against the cage, really trying to test the time of what is, you know, 15 or 25, not 15 minutes. He's never in a title shot. But 
Sirkinov, I think if he looks good at weigh-ins, he looks not so drawn out, not so dehydrated. I'm going to go with Sirkinov. I'm always going to go with the grappler and submission artist. I mean, you get it plus 128. Why not? I I understand. I understand the logic, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go Christoph Yako here. Um, I'm going to go with the workmanlike performance. I'm going to go with the blue collar guy. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because the chin of Sirkinov has been suspect as of late. And that's mm-hmm. my concern, right. right? So you alluded to it. His chin's been spotty. Uh, he yeah. got knocked out by Ryan Spann, which there's nothing wrong. I mean, these guys are massive guys, two, weighing in at 205, probably fighting it closer to 230, 240 pounds, right? But you look at his last, say, six fights, right? You got a loss to Volkan Uzdemir, got knocked yeah. out. Lost to Glover Teixeira, got knocked out. Beat Pat Cummings, Matt. Got lost to Johnny Walker, knockout. Beat Jimmy Crute but then lost to Ryan Spann. Four out of his last six fights have come via knockout. He is knocking, or he's getting knocked out. And the flip side of that is, is he's only winning fights by submission. That's it. That's the only way he's really winning winning fights. So if he cannot submit a guy like Jocko or Yotko, who has a wealth of experience, what is his plan B? What does it turn into? If you look at a guy like Yotko, since he came into the UFC, right? He came in, he won, he rattled off a bunch of victories, but then he lost quite a few, right? And looked like maybe he was fighting for his job. And then he's since battled back and then got beat by Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland now, as we know, is on the sh- on the fast track to a title shot with a win over Luke Rockhold, if he can get it. You know, so he's only losing to elite level competition. And realistically, minus that bump in the road that was the three-fight skid. He looked like a serious contender, but he did it from a more, I don't want to say holistic because that's your word, but he did it from a more grassroots perspective. He'd go out there and would just do what he needed to do, get the decision, get the win, and get out of there, which is how a guy rattles off six wins in a row and nobody's pining for him for a top 10 shot or to get him into a main event. That's To your own point, he's not in 25-minute fights despite having won six in a row. And at the time, what was a relatively thin middleweight division. So then he loses three, takes some time off, comes back, wins three, then drops his most recently. The trend says that he writes the ship here. Misha Serkinov, who has one path to victory, which is submission, in a new weight class coming off a four out of his last six losses being by knockout. He's untouchable for me until I see him win at 185, especially against a guy who's coming lunch pail in hand in the apex, who's going to look to move, avoid the submission, and has the, has the experience to do it. I like Jocko here at a minus 148, man. But there's a reason that Jocko never got a title shot. And it's one, I think it was a quality of competition because it was thin. But yeah. then also, too, his, when his performance, it wasn't, you know, a lot of it's glitz and glamour. You get a title shot based on your performance and finishing 100%. ability, which sure. he does not have. We talked about, you just said, He's a decision kind of guy. Misha, who's coming down, who's going to be a little bit drawn out. I think he's also going to be a little bit hesitant in a new weight class. Why don't we just play over one and a half? You can, sure. If you think Yako's going to win this fight, over one and a half might be your might be your pie. If you like Serkinov, I'd go under one and a half and mm-hmm. just let him catch him while he's dry. But I, I just, I look at this, and at the risk of jinxing myself like I did last weekend, I look at the price of Jocko and I say, if I like him to win outright, 
why mess around with the one and a half where something funky can happen? Let me just take him, and then I've got three rounds to see him win a fight. As opposed to if Yako goes out there and sleeps Serkinov, which he hasn't done yeah. recently, but let's say he does. He touches the the, the, the drawn-out, dehydrated chin of Misha Serkinov, and he knocks him out. Say so he does do that, and he does it in the first two minutes of the fight. I don't want to be mad because I lost the bet because I was on the right side of it, but the wrong side of one and a half. I don't want to get cute with it. I like Yako. I like him at the price. I think it, I think it's playable there. You're getting 50 cents on the dollar. I, I'm going to play him at that. I, I'm not getting – not fancying it up here, man. I'm going to be honest. I uh, I kind of tuned out your last 30 seconds because you said drab bodies and tight submissions and That's it right. just went to a different planet. Right. Well, you're you're a black belt now, so you think of that kind of stuff all the time. That's <laughs> no, just it's hot. It's hot. It's what it is. Yeah. It's hot. You got to spin on it. All right. Here we go. Alex Oliveira <laughs> at twenty two and ten, taking on Nico Price fourteen and five. Oh. Alex Oliveira plus one forty. Nico Price at a minus one sixty. Over on our rounds here. Trey is at one and a half. Someone's How do you feel? Feed a farm, dude. How do you feel about that? Nico Price just recently announced that he's got kid number six on the way. Dude, he's going to be the next Philip Rivers. It's yeah. Insane. Yeah. At least Philip Rivers made $100 million in his career. Uh, Nico Price has not. <laughs> but I think Oliveira has like six kids too or something crazy. I think Oliveira's got more than that. I think Oliveira's in the double digits. No way. I believe so, yeah. Man. Producer Jake, how many kids does Alex Oliveira have? <laughs> All right, while he's looking that up, let's break down this fight. Nico Price, like we said, six kids. Minus 160 favorite here, Trey. I think that that's a great price, and I would encourage people to lock it in now because what we've seen out of Alex Oliveira recently, my personal opinion, is a guy that doesn't want to be there anymore. He's fully leaned into, and I'll go ahead and say it, just like the other cowboy. He's leaned into this mentality of as long as I show up and I'm entertaining – it doesn't matter whether I I win or lose. People just want to see me me fight if I'm entertaining, and that only takes you so far. At a certain point, to use another cowboy re- reference, Old Yeller will be put out the pasture if you keep doing that. You can't. You have got to win fights. His last fight was he was submitted with one arm mm-hmm. by Randy Brown. You remember Randy Brown? Literally only had use of one arm. Oh, yeah. Wrap that neck up. Oh, yeah. And choked them out. No Ten. way. Ten kids. Ten kids for Alex Oliver. I told you he's double digits, man. Insane. If you would have done your film study like me, you would have <laughs> known how many kids he has, Trey. Man. For a guy that doesn't prepare for the show, I can really tell. Okay? I, I really, know. I can really tell. That's yeah, insane. Um, well, I don't think – this is tough because – you're right. Alex is going to be, you know, walking to the cage, doing that that smile and that dance, but he doesn't have the crowd around him. He is going to want to entertain, but he's not going to want to entertain Nico Price's striking. We know Nico to be explosive. We know him to be unorthodox. So a lot of people they look at Nico Price and they're like, "Hey, you know what? I want to wrestle this guy. I want to get it down on the ground. I want to be able to hold a dominant position and progress methodically." But with Nico Price. He's not the worst wrestler. He doesn't have the worst takedown defense, so it's a tough path to go, and I don't see Alex Oliveira going for it. And if he does, while Alex Oliveira has much better jiu-jitsu, Nico Price is able to explode, twist out of things, and then reverse position, holding inside the guard, hammer fist down. 
mean, this guy can fight from his back, standing, wherever it may be. So I think someone like Nico Price, you can't go against him, um, especially at, at the price of minus 160. Let's see what the chat says. We know that this fight won't be canceled. Neither of these guys knows how to pull out. Oh, shit. Yep. Slow clap that. Yep. Wow. That was, that was lyrical. I like that. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I'm a big yeah. fan. Um, uh, man. I think it's Nico Price, right? For a couple different reasons. I Don't overthink this one. One, MMA math checks out. Randy Brown, most recent loss or most recent win was over Alex Oliveira. Nico Price knocked out Randy Brown. MMA math, it checks out. Nico Price, quality of competition, much higher than Alex Oliveira. His losses, Michelle Pereira, Vincente Luque, Jeff Neal, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, those are his losses in the UFC. It's mm. not the same as Alex Oliveira. Alex Oliveira has losses to, like I said, Randy Brown, Shavkat Rachmanov, who is a contender. I don't want to take anything away from that, but – Yes. Nicholas Dalby, Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson, Yancey Medeiros, and the other cowboy himself. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not. It, They're all quality fighters in their own right. Most of those guys are still on the roster. I'm not discounting their careers or what they're capable of. But Nico Price has fought the better quality of competition and done better against them. And I believe that Nico Price still wants to fight. Like Nico Price still conducts himself and shows up for media and weigh-ins and fight night ready to do work like and wants to wants to make something of himself because he's fighting for something bigger than himself whereas the attitude the demeanor the in-cage performance the general malaise that's all over Alex Oliveira as of recently is a guy that is just showing up feeling like if he can get in a blood and guts war he'll continue to get paid and he yeah. doesn't seem to be interested in getting the win. It's like, if I can get the win, super. Um, right. But if I can get into a fight that people like to see me in, that's even better. And if yeah. there's a time and a place for that, this ain't that. And that ain't this. Nico Price is going to win this fight. Don't overthink this. Minus right. 160. Just take a money line. Put him with something else. Pick your other favorite for the night. Make a little two-person parlay sandwich. Nom, nom, nom. Eat, cash out, and go. I just don't want him to get all buddy buddy with Alex like he did with Cowboy. I that's a great like that's that. a great point. Yeah. What what Nico Price cannot do is mm-hmm. go out there and ascribe to this idea of let's hug it out, let's be yeah. bros, let's let's no. chummy, let's Mario and Luigi combine and you know he can't do that. He's gotta stay killer killer instinct. That's a great point. He's gotta come out there like Bowser and just say, fuck it. Fuck the red shells. That's right. That's right. He's got to use a blue shell right off the rip. All right, man. <laughs> Kevin Holland taking on Kyle Dawkins. Kyle Dawkins at 10 and 2. Kevin Holland at 21 and 7. You know how I feel about the Dawkins boys. You should feel pretty damn good, dude. I keep after losing last money weekend. against them. I keep losing money against them. Kyle Dawkins at a plus 135 here. Kevin Holland minus 155. Over on our own rounds tray is at two and a half. Do we continue with the show curse on Kevin Holland here? Is that the first thing that we lead in with here, or do we want to break down the fight and then remind people that he has violated the show and is cursed? Let's let's save that for the end of the breakdown. Okay, um, I break want to get your take right now on who is your favorite Dalkus. Uh the other one. Cur- the, currently, the the big one. Kyle. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
He's probably the, the, the favorite of the parents for sure. But I will say I, I like this Dawkins um, because he has a ground game. What does Kevin Holland not have? Uh, oh, pick me. Oh, I choose you. Ground game? Oh, yes. Ground game. Yes. 100 points. Yes, points. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have a ground game. Yes, he has spent time at AKA. He is trying to fill that void. But you can't learn that in such a close amount of time. What? He's been at AKA for three, four months? Dude, you can't learn wrestling that quickly. Now, for a guy in Kevin Holland that is supposedly a black belt jiu-jitsu, to have <laughs> zero wrestling whatsoever behooves me. Yes, I'm mm. saying behooves me. Is that, is that the right way to say No, that? you used it wrong. Nope. Go ahead. Keep going. God, fuck. Okay. Well, you're going against a guy who's a grappler. You're going against a guy who is also a very smart fight IQ person. Uh-huh. This Dawkins guy is going to go in and implement a game plan, which is going to be wrestle heavy attacks. Kevin Holland can't negate the takedown. Dawkins is not going to entertain the striking. So what are we talking about here? Why is this line so so close? And why is Dawkins at a plus 135? I don't get it. Because Dawkins has not shown anything that would lead us to believe that it needs. Like I, I think this line, this line should actually be a little bit wider. I'm Whoa. nervous. I'm nervous in taking Dawkins at this price. But but Dawkins is a guy who gets when I mean we've seen it in fights before. He gets rocked and he doesn't like bite down on the mouthpiece and say, "Oh shit, I'm going to make this a stand-up affair." He goes to what is his bread and butter. His bread and butter is grappling and jiu-jitsu. So he's not going to entertain Kevin striking. If anything, he's going to get knocked out by trying to dive for a single and get an uppercut to the face. He's going to implement a game plan, a game plan that Kevin Holland, I don't care if you're UFC quality. Your wrestling is freaking amateur. It's Pop Warner status. I understand that, but you you got to under you, you have to take into account that the last time Dawkins used that jujitsu and that ground game to any real effect that that mattered or uh, submission that won him a fight was prior to his stint in the UFC. Since he's come over to the big show, he's three decisions. So it's not like he's he's imp- implementing some sort of vicious submission arsenal against people or this insane wrestling approach that, that has him leading in a dominant position. He's lost two out of his three fights under the UFC banner. He's going up against a guy in Kevin Holland who has fought murderers right. since he's been on the promotion. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether his wrestling's been good or not, he literally stepped in on short notice and fought Tiago Santos, and then beat the hell out of John Phillips. Losses to Brennan, lost to Brennan Allen, who beat Dawkins, but barely, then beat, barely. But he still beat him. Beat Anthony Hernandez. Beat Joaquin Buckley. Darren Stewart, um, that short notice guy who doesn't matter. And then Jacare. And then his only real losses were against elite. And I can't stress this enough: elite level guys when it comes to the ground. And Derek Brunson and. Um. Uh, oh my gosh, here's the other dude, Marvin Vittori. Mm. So he's only losing to the best of the best. Mm-hmm. I I feel inclined to take Kevin Holland here. My only reservation in not taking Kevin Holland is the fact that he stood us up on the show and he's cursed. Right, right. That's my only. That's my only reason. And in, in not taking him. Is I don't believe that Kyle Dawkins is gonna is going to submit Kevin Holland. I don't believe that's that's gonna happen. Mm, dude, I'm a guy I who likes believe- to ride momentum, man. Like I, I mean, we're gonna talk about this later, but Shevchenko, 
like her sister Antonina, who's fighting. Like, dude, I, normally I'd be all over Casey O'Neill. Oh, you know, foreshadowing here, I'm going Shevchenko. Dude. Oh man, we're so far apart on this. I thought we were closer. No, um, no, all right, well, that's the people's the main event then. Well, you got to ride the momentum. Which here's the other thing is I don't want to hear anything about you somehow being ahead on people's main events because you're not. In the last people's main event, I won. So we need to we need to let go of that immediately. But we're not there yet. No, we're not there. Yeah. We're not there yet. We'll get there. No. Okay. Yeah. Co-main event of the evening is Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dawkins. I don't believe that Kyle Dawkins can submit Kevin Holland. Whether you want to admit it or not, I know that you're a highfalutin black belt now, and I can't tell you anything. But Kevin Holland is a black belt under Travis uh-huh. Luter. He's not. I'm sorry, but he's not. If you watch it, whenever he gets taken down, he lays on his back. He doesn't get on his side. Why? Because he doesn't fucking know what to do. Maybe he, he doesn't want to no get idea. up. Maybe he wants to attack from his guard. Oh, like the Jacare style knockout? I mean, back, I don't look. Man. I I admittedly don't have a leg to stand on when it comes to talking about grappling, especially with a, with a guy like you who's a black belt. I can't really, I can't really, I can't correct you on these things. You can correct me. I'm a white belt every day. I go into that gym, dude. I'm just saying that I don't believe Kyle Dawkins is going to submit Kevin Holland, and if he's going to win this fight, he's going to have to do it through position and position only, which perhaps he can do. Um, if you like him at plus money, I would suggest you take him. I don't know what to do here because Kevin Holland makes me nervous. I'll probably play under two and a half. Yes, that's the play right there. Under two and a half. I love that play. Because <laughs> I just don't want to go against Kevin Holland because he stood us up on the show and I have to I have to honor the curse. If I disrespect the curse, I disrespect the show. Right. Yep. Love it. Okay. Although uh Hannah, Hannah Goldie broke the curse. Well, it was like a double curse. Yeah, I think that's what negated it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a double curse. So yeah. Kevin Holland's still cursed. Uh, but I don't love him against Kyle Dawkins. Or I don't love Kyle Dawkins against him here. Seems like a layup. You know it's funny? Jared in the chat just said made it for the live, just done watching uh Dana White Contender Series. Anytime someone writes DWCS, I think you think saying, dancing with the stars. Yes. So do every I every time. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Every time. And I don't even watch Dancing with the Stars, but I think that every time. Oh, I do. Yeah. It's it's a great show athletes i know that you watch dancing with the stars that doesn't surprise me at all if those of you who aren't aware anytime that you consume any of our content online and it's got a show tune or chipper upbeat music that is always from trey if it's got if it has neon if it has um if it's if it's fancy if it's fancy if it if it looks like it enjoys the, it's just that's from Trey. That's from Trey. It's not from me. I, I, I plead the fifth. Yeah, but the, I just want I just want people to know because we get this sometimes. Like I don't know who's answering DMs or who posted this, that, and the other. Whether it's Dale or Trey, if it is like black and white and angry or mute, um, that is that's me. Anything with bright colors and music. With a little flair and a little panache attached to it, that's that's TVB. Pizzazz, dude. Yeah. Um, and chat says Trey may watch The Bachelor too. Just a guess. He hundred percent watches The Bachelor. Um, he's actually said it on shows before that he, when The Bachelor is going, that you have neighborhood Bachelor watch parties. 
I love love, dude. I love love. I love love too. I, you know what? That's that's a fair assessment. I love love too. Like weddings, I love weddings. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, your boy's officiating one on Friday. I wanted to ask you about this because since I've known you, keep in mind I've never met you in person, but since I've known you, you've officiated like three different weddings. So just I know you went and got your ordination through Universal Life Church. Right. Yes, shout out another sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Shout out the universal life church. You got your certificate online. Uh, as somebody here, we'll peel back the onion real quick. As a person who went to um, seminary school for a semester um, way back when I find your universal life church uh, declaration quite upsetting. Now I don't like it. Um, Who's picking you to officiate their wedding? And what what do you, and I mean this with love in my heart, what do you say to officiate a wedding? Like, what's your what's your appeal? Why does somebody go, I want Trey Van Buskirk to officiate my <laughs> wedding? How does this happen? Well, first off, I, I paid up and I got the platinum holy shit package, which yeah. comes with a clergy badge, some holy water that comes in a container. The whole front row, everyone's getting blessed. Full-on Shamu splash session. Splash you get blessed. You get blessed. I love it. Everyone's getting blessed. No, what I do is I take my time. You know, I, write, I write about them as a couple. I write about, um, you know, uh, one day they could live a life like me, you know, work in the garage and kill grasshoppers and, you know, lead, lead, lead a happy life, dude. And love is love. It's very easy. So are you – you know these people then? No, dude. So yeah, you're I married. I do. No. Okay. I'm I was gonna say. Bullshit. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know them all. They're actually like all like best friends. Where it'd be like now that they know I bought the package, the holy shit package. They're like, oh god, dude. If we don't hire Trey, like, well, we <laughs> can't, we can't invite him to the wedding. How fucking awkward. Right. Yeah. I believe I bought one of those ordination things through the Universal Life Church back when I was like 14, when the internet first came out. I'll uh, I'll take a I'll take a photo and I'll post it on our story of my clergy badge. You'll see it's it's pretty legit. Awesome. So do you charge people for this? No, uh, but I do have one clause in my quote unquote contract. And that is, you know, when you finish the wedding and everyone sprints to the open bar and there's like a 50 minute line before you get your first beer. Yeah. My clause is I get a cut. I get to be the first person to get the first beer at the open bar. That's it. Now, is it like a Disney ride all day pass where you get to jump line every time or is it just yes. the one jump? Nope, I am introduced to the bartender ahead of time. Oh, I like this. So he's familiar with my face, and I skip the line. I like this a lot. I like this a lot. That's a good. That's a good. So, and then you you basically drink your way into payment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The bar tab is. Yeah. It's more. I watch them suffer when they pay that, but you know it is. You do me a favor. Yeah. Were you drinking Yingling on Saturday? I only put American shit in my body. That is an American <laughs> beer. I, I'll have to do some uh, some due diligence. All right. Yingling's where it's at, man. All right. Oh. Main event of the evening. Let's get to We're so off track here. Oh, my gosh. How are we not at the main event yet? Tiago Santos at 21 and 9, taking on Johnny Walker. 18 and, 18 and 5, light heavyweight matchup here. Excuse me, Tiago Santos, minus 155. Johnny Walker. Plus 135, over and around one and a half. I feel like we're both going to go the same direction here. Tell me where you're going and why you're going there, and I'll tell you whether or not I'm going to put my thumb out and hitchhike with you. I'm going to let – dude, honestly, I feel like I, I'm, I've changed my I've changed my tune. 
Um, I was going Tiago Santos for a multitude of different reasons. I haven't thought that Johnny Walker's looked good as of late, but the problem I'm having dude, is the dude is the million dollar man. How many freaking leg surgeries has this guy had? Also his chick is pregnant. You know, I just, I feel like he's weighing a lot. I think his surgeries are, he's not the Tiago Santos of five years ago. Let's put it that way. And Johnny Walker, I'm going to be honest, some of his wins and you'll pull up the, you know, his win loss schedule here, but Walker's had some freaking lucky wins, dude. He has not looked good. He's won in very unorthodox positions, something where it's almost like gifted to him. Tiago Santos has all the tools to beat him five years ago. I don't know if he has the stamina, nor he has the power, nor he has the grit to get it done because of the surgeries, because of what's going on in his life. Like, I, I really don't. But I'm going to go with Tiago Santos because that's the smart choice. But, man. <laughs> I'm going Tiago Santos because I don't believe that we live in a world where Tiago Santos is dropping four in a row. I just don't think it's going to happen, man. I, I just – I know it's 2021 and weird things happen. Yeah. But – if you look at, like you said, and I'm glad you brought it up, the strength of schedule of Johnny Walker, win, he had the win over Ryan Spann, that's great. But losses to Nikita Krylov and Corey Anderson, but wins over Misha Serkinov, who we just talked about earlier, Justin Ledette, Khalil Roundtree, and Luis Henrique Da Silva, none of those are Tiago Santos. Right. All of Not them all. combined, if you melted them down and created a fighter, would not be Tiago Santos. No. Tiago Santos is an elite level fighter and, in my opinion, beat John Jones. It's my opinion. I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think that his claim to beating John Jones was stronger than that of the athlete Dom Reyes, which is a hot take. Um, I don't agree with that. I, I, I don't expect you to because um, I'm on my own island here. I just think Tiago Santos wins this fight, man. I, I, I want to believe that we don't live in a planet where Tiago Santos is dropping four in a row with the capstone on that four-fight skid being Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker is notoriously unfocused. He's notoriously undisciplined. His fight IQ is akin to zero. Um, he does not make smart decisions inside or outside of the cage. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. And this is no offense to him. Well, I'm sure you'd get offended if you heard me say it. He's also 6'6 and 205 pounds. I don't think he's incredibly intelligent outside of the cage either. I just mm. don't necessarily know what he's bringing to the table outside of, uh, of being incredibly violent that's going to get him this win. And even then, when you're being met with a person who is equally violent and is more experienced in that violence, I will take the experience every single time. I'm going to take Tiago Santos. You will see him in a parlay. And if I need, I will hedge with Johnny Walker. But, but how does he get it done, though? Because Walker, he knocks him out. Too. I know. He sleeps him. What, what he should do is he should shoot and wrestle because Johnny wow. Walker struggles against elite wrestlers. No, he's not going to shoot and wrestle, one, because he doesn't have the explosion knees. with the knees. And then, two, you have right. to worry about the elbows. You have to worry about the hammer fists. You have to worry about the unorthodox nature of Johnny Walker. He is six foot six. People forget Johnny Walker is actually incredibly tall for the division. He's somewhere between six six and six seven. Tiago Santos once fought at one eighty five. He's only six foot one, six foot two. He's going to be giving up a ton of reach. He can't put himself in those positions, right? So 
Tiago Santos has to go in there, establish himself early, show that Johnny Walker presents no threat to him, hurt him, and then get him out of there. Johnny Walker, again, like I said, and I can't emphasize this enough, this is the problem that I have with him. He's undisciplined, and he does not like – I don't see any grit in him. I don't see any dog in him. I don't see any fight. It's a quick knockout. It's flash. It's pomp and circumstance, or it's nothing at all. Tiago Santos, meat, potatoes, lunchbox, win, blue collar, get it done. Baby on the way. Walk, knock out Johnny Walker and go celebrate that new baby coming, man. I don't want to be a dick, but I'm going to say one of – Okay, I'm going to be a dick. There's three people – or just two now, one of them left, um, that have the dumbest smiles in the UFC. Fabricio Verdum. Yes, outside of the UFC. That was the first one. Yep. Johnny Walker. Yep. All right. And then the third dumbest smile. Boy, I go a lot here. Uh, Joaquin Buckley. Oh, that's a good one. On this card. Actually. Oh, he's on this card. Yeah. Is it to he? Yeah. When you think they have, and you were going to say this anyway, you think they have one of the dumbest smiles in their yeah, on this card. Yeah, weird. Two happen to be on this card, and then obviously for uh, Fabricio Verdum. Yeah. Who else smiles that's on this card? I don't know. Who, who are the big smilers? Oliveira, dude. Oliveira, yeah. yeah. Well, you don't like him because he dances. It's not so much a smile, but it's his dance that bothers you. No, it's this weird smirk, too. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, Ver- Verdum takes the cake. That stupid thing. But Johnny Walker is a, a hardcore second. Oh, I like this. Chat says Sam Alvey when considering stupid smiles. Mm, true. True. Well, yeah. smiling Sam, you have to have a stupid Big smile. Fan. You know what else is a stupid smile? When Uriah Faber smiles, and then he does the thing where he points to his mouthpiece. That's a dumb smile, too. Well, because it usually has a saying or something on there. Right, which is dumb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> you want to go ahead? You want to go ahead and log off? <laughs> all right. Prelims, and we're going through these quick. I know I say that every week, but we are Cub going Swanson's through. Cub Swanson's a bitch. Wow. You know what? I think <laughs> I think Cub versus Uriah would be a great fight. Dude, if that happens, I'm no joke. Like, I won't even tell Jess. I'll just be like, Jess, I'm sorry. I'm putting the house up on Uriah. Like, there's no way he loses that fight. If if Cub versus Uriah happens, here's what I propose. Mm. A punch list meetup at the Apex. I, I couldn't do it because essentially Why? if because if, if Uriah Why? started to take damage, I'd probably jump in there like Secret Service style and like make sure that he doesn't get No, hurt. I think he should. I think we could do it. I think we can do it. I think, and then and then what we do is is we do a house bet where everybody that shows up that's on Team Trey bets on Uriah, and everybody that shows up that bets on that that's on Team Dale, we bet on Cub, and then it's winner take all. Okay, I'm gonna put up a poll tomorrow. I just want to know if, if I'd have friends in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you keep bad mouthing Shia LaBeouf, you're probably not gonna have fans much longer. Yeah, all right. You won't have any friends. All right, moving through these quick. Yeah. Seriously, names, odds, and we're going. Alejandro Perez at 22 and 8. Johnny Eduardo at 28 and 12. Perez is at a minus 230. Johnny Eduardo plus 195. Overrunner on rounds is at two and a half. Who do you like and why? This one's cut and dry, dude. Take Perez. Um, he hasn't fought since 2019, but neither has Eduardo. He hasn't fought since 2018. Perez has fought the better competition. Fought Song Dong, trains at AKA, fought Cody Stamen to a decision, which I love, especially with a high-level wrestler like that. 
kind of plotting boxer. Eduardo, outside of him not fighting since 2018, dude's 43 years old. He doesn't know how to uh, evade the wrestling. He's got great leg kicks from distance. But if he can't get it done in the first round, you got to go with Perez. And I actually see Perez by KO. This one's going to be a firefight. But I think Perez is going to outland him in the first and get it done. Yep, I'm going with Perez as well. Um, mostly just based on what you said, the inactivity and the age of Johnny Eduardo. I don't think he turns back the clock at 43 years old and gets a win after not fighting for the last three years. Yeah. Um, Shanna Young at seven and three, taking on Stephanie Egger at five and two. Egger is at the minus 127. Shanna Young is at a plus 107, probably plus 110. Books you're looking at over in our rounds, two and a half women's underdogs. Science, science has been failing us as of late, but it's been heavy dogs, heavy favorites. You can't you can't do it with Shanna because she's Dana White contender series. She fought and lost to probably one of the worst chicks I think in the UFC in Sarah Alpar. Sarah Alpar, that's how she actually got the contract going to the UFC. You're losing to Sarah Alpar, you're not great. But Egger, dude, she's a thick chick. We talked about this in the Aspen Live. Thick chicks get it done. She's heavy. She likes to throw those unorthodox strikes to get in the clinch and bring it down. Yes, she lost to Tracy or uh, Cortez. The reason she lost is because she's not good with superior strikers. And Tracy Cortez was able to pick her apart standing up. I think that she's going to bull rush Shana Young, who's going to be a much smaller chick come fight day. Get this thing to the ground. Get this thing decision boring. Egger. My only thing, two things with Egger, right, is she's very inactive. She's only fought Trey seven times in the last six years. So she's not incredibly active. She fights about once a year. Um, and in doing so, it's not against the greatest competition, although she does have a win over Mara Barella on the regional scene. But outside of that, that's really kind of it. She doesn't have much else going for her. Um, I don't think, you know, losing on points to Gabby Garcia is is the greatest feather in the cap. And I believe I said that last time we saw her fight. It's a feather, um, though. It is a feather, but we said, I think I, think I made this point, that if she could take Gabby Garcia to points, she was somebody that would would end up giving Tracy Cortez problems, right. and Tracy Cortez out wrestled her like it was nothing. So it made it was egg on my face for sure. So I don't I don't want to take that as something that's going to translate well here. So I don't necessarily know that it will. I'll take Egger just because we're going with it, but um, I don't love the play to be honest with you. I'll probably avoid it. All right, Douglas Silva, Deandraj, twenty six and four, taking on Guantano Perella. At 15, mm. 6, and 1, Perella or DeAndraj, who do you like? Andraj has never fought at 135. He's dropping from 145. Literally first time he's ever fought at 135. His quality of competition, insane. You could probably rattle it off, but he's fought the Piotr Jans, the Rob Fonts, absolutely insane. Perillo, second fight in the UFC debut was against Ricky Simone, which, God, dude, what, Good do, you, luck. what, do, you do, what do you do there? Yeah, Shark exactly. Tank. Muay Thai world champion, though, so I like him striking. The problem is he's a Muay Thai world champion that doesn't know how to do anything else for mixed martial arts. Doesn't know how to grapple, doesn't know how to wrestle, doesn't know how to really do octagon control. He doesn't know it. I think Andrade should be able to out-cardio him. He should be able to out-muscle him. And I think that he you know, should get us into a ground-and-pound scenario and negate the Muay Thai. So I like Andrade. Okay. I'm going to go Andrade as well. <laughs> Excuse me. His losses have come against elite-level competition. Um, Sabira Tukagov, Rob Font, Piotr Jan, Lerone Murphy. Those are murderers' row. Those are his four losses in the UFC. Um, To your point, 
despite having the worst haircut in the UFC outside of Ricky Simone, um, his cardio is top notch. He needs to switch it up. He can't let this be a Muay Thai fight. If he lets it be a Muay Thai fight, Perilla, he's going to put Perillo, who is at a plus 210 uh, to Andrade's minus 245, because I didn't say that. Over and around is at two and a half. He puts, on, uh, he puts Perillo in the position to win the fight if he makes this a stand-up battle. He needs yes. to mix it up. He needs to give him something th- to think about with takedowns. Uh, he needs to give him something to think about on the feet. He needs to keep him guessing, if you will. Uh, Andrade here is my play, minus 245. He's durable. He's fast. He's got good cardio. As long as this doesn't turn into just a straight-up Muay Thai battle, I believe that he dispatches Perello with l- relative ease here. Um, they are not doing Perella any favors by giving him Ricky Simone and DeAndrage right off the rip. Two guys with horrendous haircuts with great cardio and well-rounded skill sets. Not a good, not good management, not good matchmaking on the Perello side. Devontae Smith at 11 and 2, taking on Jamie Malarkey at 13 and 4. Oh man, uh, Devontae Smith at a minus 148, Jamie Malarkey plus 128. Chronologically speaking, as far as the bout order is concerned, first plus money of the of the night for me. I like Jamie uh, Jamie Malarkey in the spot. Devontae Smith has shown himself to be relatively unenthused when the fight doesn't go his way and lacks the necessary grit and determination to win an ugly fight, which Jamie Malarkey thrives in the muck and the grime and the mire and the shit, and that's where he's going to want to take this fight. I like Jamie Malarkey, and I like it over one and a half against Devonta Smith. Yeah, what's a bunch of Malarkey is people that don't think that Jamie Malarkey is a dog that will fight for your money. He is... I think, uh, God, I want to see Darren Elkins and Jamin Mark in the same room. They look the same to me. They look like beater, just freaking faces, just a ball of mush because they don't have anything that great. There's not one substantial piece of their game that is so much exponentially better than the other. No, they're very meat and potatoes, but they will grind and they will grind. Devontae Smith coming from Dana White Contender Series. He's good when he dictates the pace, when he's able to utilize his space. But I think Jamin Mark is going to put a pace on him and just be in the mud. And I love market one plus one, 128. Betch at 11 and five, taking on Carol Rosa at 14 and three. If you're wondering how Betch still has a job, you are not alone. I'm right there with you. She has lost five out of her last seven coming in at plus why. 375 against Carol Rosa here. Minus 475 over on rounds at two and a half. Don't overthink this. Carol Rosa, there will not be any underdog women's uh, science money here. Betch Cahaya is done. She's out. She's been talking about retirement for a while. Um, The only reason why I think why she hasn't done is because she doesn't have the money to do so. Um, Like we've said with Caitlin Chukagian, you cannot wager on a woman that has one foot in the cage and one foot in the kitchen. You can't do it. If she wants to be a mom, if she wants to be a, a wife, if she wants to be retired, that's fine. Do that. All the power to you. I wish more women would. You can't play fighting. Carol Rosa wants to be world champion. Betch Cahaya wants to get a paycheck. Don't overthink this. Take Carol Rosa if you're going to play this. Look at it a parlay piece if you want to. I'm not touching this fight. I don't care about it. Don't overthink it, though. Yeah, the only reason she's still in the UFC is because she keeps telling uh, the UFC that it's her retirement fight. And then, please, God, I need to stay in the UFC. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is apparently it. This is her retirement fight. Yeah. Carol Rosa is a wrestler. 
that's okay has actually had got a good takedown defense where she struggles as elite level strikers or actually not even just competent strikers she does not do well with but being that we're in the apex i'm going with carol rosa just because i think that it's going to be tough regardless if you have any good takedown defense to stop that momentum and get that ground and pound going i think she'll be better in the trips she'll be better in the ground and pound sorry beth korea but a plus 375 as much as we love women's science absolutely not on her She's hard to take down. She's got an absolute wagon on her. You can't get your arms around her. Antina Shevchenko, Antonina Shevchenko at nine and three, taking on Casey O'Neill at seven and zero. Oh, the undefeated Aussie slash Scottish fighter in King Casey O'Neill here. She's on a minus two hundred five, taking on Antonina Shevchenko at a plus one seventy five over and around at two and a half. This will be the people's main event because you and I vastly differ on this. I'm on Casey O'Neill until I see her lose tray, and it ain't going to be here. She presents all the problems that Roxanne Modafari displayed when she beat Shevchenko, but she does so with increased violence, increased athleticism, and increased ferocity, better cardio, better physical strength, better ground and pound, better wrestling, better weight management, She's better everywhere than Antonina Shevchenko. Better everywhere. And I realize saying that as Antonina Shevchenko is a, a Muay Thai world champion, Casey right. O'Neill is a better fighter than her. She will beat her on Saturday night by hook, by crook, by submission, by ground and pound. I don't care if you look at how Casey O'Neill wins fights. It's like a super violent, athletic Roxanne Modafari who dominated Shevchenko. I take Casey O'Neill. I take her every time. You give me Shevchenko, I send her back. I agree. I agree. Shevchenko, dude, Casey O'Neill, is, 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 she's an idiot when she fights. She does not have a good fight IQ. She is willing to bite down the mouthpiece and make it a firefight. Shevchenko, on the other hand, she is methodical. She's technical. Everything from standing. Massive void, wrestling. Casey O'Neill, got good wrestling. So, yes, I'm nervous there. But I do think that coming off the momentum of her sister. I know she's not her sister. And I know that a lot of times she's priced as she is she, her sister. She gets a lot of a lot of weight. Not this time. No way. I'm going with the sister momentum. I'm going with someone who's superior standing, who I believe is going to have a better fight IQ. Casey O'Neill should win this, but she's not going to. Are you sure you like that's where you want to land on this? I do. I have to. Oh, I have to. <laughs> People's made of it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you for sounding the alarm. This is this is the Peril fight we talked about earlier. Massive void, but if you stick to the game plan, you're going to be fine. All right. Feature prelim: Joe Selecki at eleven and two. Jared Gordon seventeen and four. Mm, excuse me, that beer is catching up to me. Jared Gordon at a plus one hundred four. Selecki minus one twenty four. It's going to be a pick 'em come fight night. I like Joe Selecki here. I don't like Jared Gordon. I continually pick against him, and it continues to be profitable. I have no need. He's basically the opposite of Vince Pichel to me. I always bet on Vince Pichel, and I always win. I always bet against Jared Gordon, and you know, most of the time, I win. Uh, Jared Gordon has won a couple fights. I'm not saying that the guy can't win fights. He has he has cost me some money in the past. Um, Prefer most recently, uh, the the Chris Fishgold fight really pissed me off. Uh, But that was more Fishgold than it was him. Anyway, doesn't matter. I like Selecki here. He presents presents all the problems to beat Jared Gordon. He's got decent enough stand-up. He's got a great submission game. He's got good cardio. Jared Gordon, one of those guys that doesn't do anything great, does everything pretty good. They're going to talk about him being an addict, talk about him being in recovery a bunch of times, talk about he's a story for hope, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. 
I'm over it. I don't care. You got your life together. Congratulations. This is a fist fight. I'm betting on you. I want Joe Selecki to punch your face in. Minus 124. I'm all about it. Let's get it. Yeah, and here's the funny thing. I feel like if you were to play a prop and do Joe Selecki by sub, which a yes. lot of people think is the route to go, yes. you're probably going to get that at, what, plus <laughs> 400 or something like that. I'm actually, Dale, call me crazy. I'm going to take Joe Selecki by KO. I love that. I love that too. He's got he's got evolving hands. I'm not going to call him great hands, but I think that Jared Gordon's got a suspect chin. I think that he's going to stand with Jared for the first you know couple minutes, and I think he's going to get slept. I really do. I'm going to take Joe Selecki by KO. Um, you talked about people getting their life together. I know we just finished up the prelims. I want to get your hot take real quick, dude. And I know we, I'm sorry. Go I know ahead. we hate uh, talking about this guy. He's a piece of shit human being, but. John Jones goes to the Hall of Fame, gets his Hall of Fame award. A mere 12-hour period, he ends up headbutting his fiance, or no, headbutting a cop car, somewhat domestic abusing his fiance, gets booked. His kid says, Call the cops. He gets booked. What do you do with this guy, dude? He's all talking about, hey, you know, I want to be it you know 270 and then i'm gonna uh, drop down i'm gonna be the heavyweight champ like this is where we get the super fight going what do you do i have a hiccup so i'm gonna apologize ahead of time one time i had the hiccups for three days um i had to go to the doctor for it so hiccups are fun they hurt <laughs> they hurt bad <laughs> it's so bad um Dude, it's so good especially when i give you a, a, a piece that i know you just want to like yeah i want to go in on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um Hey, Damn. real quick. Yeah. What color are avocados? They're green. Your hiccups are gone. Oh, that's You're not the case. Them. That's not the case. I wish I wish that were the case. Oh, damn it. No, no wives tail works. It. Yeah. No, no wives tail works here. Holding the breath doesn't work. I need I actually need something to drink, but I'm all out. Um stand by. <laughs> uh, hiccups are the worst. Very bad. Give this is this. <laughs> I've got coffee from this morning in my office here. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't drink it. Ew, grizzly. Give me about ten seconds um, of you talking so I can I can drink this to get rid of these. What is that going to do though? <laughs> can you just do it and then I'll explain <laughs> it after the fact? <laughs> can you please? I'm trying, dude. I just don't know what to talk about other side. Your hiccups. I'm gonna be honest, dude. It's cute. It's cute, dude. <laughs> you hiccup kind of like a freaking twelve year old, <laughs> especially when your eyes get wide. It's kind of like, oh. <laughs> it's weird to think of you like this gun toting South Carolina, but you get hiccups, dude. That's such a that's such a California thing, dude. Hiccups are a California thing. Oh man, it's good. <laughs> okay. Um. So if you suffer from chronic violent hiccups like your boy, a great way to get rid of them is to take something to drink and you take anywhere between like 10 and 20 small sips, but you swallow very hard because what the hiccups are, and I learned this when I went to, when I got team form, it's a spasm of the esophagus. So the drinking and the swallowing helps keep the muscle busy so it can interrupt the pattern of it. So when you have the hiccups, Get something to drink, preferably not coffee at ten thirty at night. But we're in a we're in a pinch here. We're um, here now. 
we're here now um, and take like 10 to 12 hard gulps and that'll help get rid of them. Anyway, John Jones, to your point, um, I suffer with this, right? So as you know, and we'll just peel back the curtain a little bit. uh, I worked in law enforcement for many years prior to my job that I have now. So my attitude towards criminals and criminal behavior is slightly less empathetic. Yes. Than some people's. Um, I also have absolutely zero grace in my heart for domestic violence. Um, I just, I have, I have no grace for it whatsoever. Um, as a person who witnessed domestic violence, um, I have, I, I can't think of another way for it. I have no grace for it in my heart whatsoever. And it's, I realize that comes from a skewed perspective, but it's, if you're asking my opinion, I'll give you my opinion on it. I have no grace for that whatsoever. Um, I don't know what happened on Saturday night. Uh, I read the reports same way you did, same way most people that listen to our show. I assume if you listen to our show, you consume a fair amount of MMA media. You probably read the reports. Um, She showed up, displayed all the classic symptoms of somebody that is regularly abused, not someone who's just been abused once, um, and then had multiple signs of injury to her face. Um, but refused to admit to it, which again is a telltale symptom of somebody that's been abused more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids knew the appropriate steps to take, which means that they've been thinking about it before. That's not something that's not a revelation they arrived at. It's something that as you're as somebody that witnesses something like that, they try to devise methods to help combat that, which is what we saw displayed. Um and this is a pattern of behavior for this guy. Whether it be violence or not, he has shown himself to be of poor decision-making stock. He just doesn't have it in his capacity to stay out of his own way. I don't think that there's an amount of rehab. I don't think that there's an amount of mental health counseling. I don't think there's an amount of religion out there that's going to fix the flaws that are inherently wired or unwired in a brain similar to John Jones. I have met people throughout my life that are incredibly smart, articulate, talented, um, good looking, whatever the case may be, right? World by the balls, as they say, Mm -hmm. and they can't get out of their own way. They just can't do it. They just, something doesn't connect there and they just can't do it. Um, My hope uh, my prayer, if you will, is that John Jones's fiance and kids find safety, comfort, and grace elsewhere away from him and do so before something bad happens. What we don't want is MMA's version of Chris Benoit to happen. Mm-hmm. And if those of you who are not aware of who Chris, Chris Benoit is, you can look that up on your own time. I don't want that. And I'm not saying that John Jones has that. But a guy that is as sporadic and substance abuse prone as he is can make irrational decisions in irrational timelines and can do things that ultimately he'll regret later on and then claim X, Y, and Z after. So all that to say, I am disappointed, but I am not surprised. I also don't know John Jones from a hole in the ground, but I also 
hit my opinion of him doesn't matter to him or anybody on his team. And it's frankly, none of their business. And what he did is none of my business. I just know about it because it's in the space of things that we talk about. But if you ask me, like if it just hundred percent real talk, if you came up to me and text me on the side after the show and said, Hey, I didn't realize you felt that way. Just to let you know, 2016, I got into it with my wife and I got arrested for, you know, I pushed her against a wall. This would be the last show we ever did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be the last show we ever did. I just, if, if you don't stand by your convictions, they're not convictions, they're hobbies. And I will, I refuse to support anything domestic violence related whatsoever. So um, all of the other things that John Jones did in my mind, I could kind of rationalize to, to the stupidity of it. The moment you put hands on a woman, the moment you put hands on the, the woman who birthed your children, who gave you the greatest gift that can be bestowed upon you, like the greatest gift that exists out there was given to you and brought to you from her and you committed violence against her. Yeah. I have nothing for that. It's that's that's an irrefutable. I can't do anything with that. But that's my pedestal. You ask me, I'm telling you, and that's it. I'll get off. No, I appreciate it. I just hope Dana White does the right thing, cuts him, because he doesn't fucking deserve to be in the UFC. I do think that his, you know, his kids deserve deserve some cash and deserve to live a, a healthy life based on what he had been able to provide. But he does not deserve to get a paycheck from an organization that is trying to be a professional organization, a professional sport, and one that is a bunch of respect against it. So, fuck that guy. Hope he gets cut. See what happens. Scott Coker will be all over it in five seconds anyway, so it doesn't matter. And 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 to just not at a not like I'm not trying to put feathers in my cap. Realistically speaking, um, with the like even like fantasy football wise, I won't draft players that have domestic violence charges. Ooh, I just don't. I just don't do it. I I again. I just have no. I have no grace for it. So I right. want to root for root for that. Yeah. No way. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Before my hiccups come back. Fare thee well, my good man. Guys, if you don't already do so, please follow us everywhere at PunchlessMMA. Instagram, Twitter. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do so at chat at PunchlessMMA. Best way to support the show outside of a review, anywhere you listen to us, please leave us a review. Best way to support us is by showing love to our show sponsors. Use the appropriate promo code. Let them know you, that we sent you. That helps us out a lot. Um, big things coming up. We'll be announcing some things in the upcoming weeks, which we're pretty excited about. Um, so yeah, there might be more opportunities to hear our voices in different capacities. Um, so if you enjoy our content here, you might enjoy it someplace else. Anyway, that's all I got for everybody this week. Trey, you got anything else? Just a solid bang, bang. See you guys this week.